Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 92, Wednesday, September 16th, 2020, and what a damn weekend we have here in the sports universe. Is it possible that this is the best sports betting weekend in history? We have NFL Week 2, college football, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs with the Stanley Cup final about to start, a baseball pennant race, a golf major with the U.S. Open, the Premier League and the other major European soccer leagues are back in action, a UFC card on Saturday, and we even have a tennis major on the horizon for next week. These are quite the times, and this is quite the weekend, and the Doggy Juice Pod is here to help guide you through it all as we strive to uncover edges in the various markets out there and the growing amount of legal sports betting options here in the good old U.S. of A. In this episode, I'm going to jump around a bit and touch on a little bit of everything. It'll be a, a smorgasbord, if you will, including the return of the Danimal, who's going to be back to give you some picks. He went 3-1 and one on his podcast plays last week. And then, of course, I'll finish up the podcast with my own best bets for NFL Week 2 and also touch on my U.S. Open card for the week, for those of you listening in time for that. I'll also be posting round-by-round market value matchups, especially at the Camby Books here in Illinois. So follow Doggy Juice on Twitter, at Doggy Juice, for those, uh, those plays throughout the weekend. All right, let's dig up our sleeves and get to work. Everybody. Things are happening quickly here in Illinois for legal, regulated sports betting. And attention all Illinois sports bettors. We have an important deadline this week, September 19th, this Saturday specifically. This week could be your last chance to register online from the comfort of your couch for mobile wagering. Uh, Governor Pritzker extended the lifting of the in-person registration requirement, but there is no guarantee that he will extend it again past September 19th. So register today. It is timely. You have you know, a couple more days when you're hearing this right now. It's, the time is really running out. Books are even trying to incentivize you to sign your friends up and make sure they can get on. I know DraftKings is offering a, a two-friend promo. If you get two friends to sign up, they, they give you even more free money. And speaking of Illinois sports books, we had another one enter the space right at the final hour before NFL Week 1 last weekend when points bet went live. And then just last night, William Hill finally went live with their mobile app here in the land of Lincoln. And those each have some pretty nice uh, promotional or deposit promotions. Points bet will match a $500 risk-free bet. And William Hill will allow a $300 risk-free bet on your first bet. So it's worth taking advantage of and signing up for those as soon as you can, especially before Saturday. Points bet's unique, and I, I highly recommend all of you to get it before Saturday. And to be clear, no points bet sponsorship exists here, but they're known in other states for having some of the best promotions out there. Uh, they do gimmicky things like refunding bad beats. In fact, they just did that with the Titans game on, on Monday night, the Titans and uh, Denver Broncos game. Uh, William Hill is a major international name, and they're huge here in the U.S. and growing rapidly already. They have their reputation, obviously. I've talked about that for uh, for shutting down winning players or limiting winning players. That's basically their business model, which we don't agree with here, but you can find competitive lines there still uh, for most of you listeners out there that will be able to bet there. So you absolutely should be adding that as an additional out because we've preached that here on the Doggy Juice Pod since day one. Price means 
everything, and shopping for the best number means everything, and the difference between winning and losing is literally your ability to get the best number every time you bet, or at least strive to do so. Uh, The additions of PointsBet and William Hill this week brings us to five legal online sports betting options for Illinois bettors. In order of launch, those were Bet Rivers, obviously, being first, the DraftKings, FanDuel, PointsBet, and William Hill. There are more on the way, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with the in-person registration requirements. It's your move, Governor Pritzker. And there's also been crazy moves in the sports betting space across the country, too, not just here in Illinois. There's more deals being signed literally by the day. Just yesterday, the New York Giants and the Draft and DraftKings uh, announced an exclusive multi-year arrangement, in quotes. Illinois sports betting numbers here in the land of Lincoln, they're they're in from July, and per legal sports report, Illinois sports books took in $52.5 million in bets in their first full month of operations in July. Uh, more than 92% of wagers placed were made online, and since Bet Rivers was the only game in town at the time, they enjoyed $48.5 million in hand, an online handle in July. Uh, adjusted gross revenue for the state, $3.6 million. With a, that's a whole percentage of 6.8%. Soccer was the most popular sport to bet on here in July. Makes sense, because that was before the restart of the major American leagues. Uh, for the most part, uh, $20.5 million wagered on soccer bets. Baseball was second. I think the Korean baseball had a lot to do with that. Uh, with just under $18 million, followed by UFC and golf. And that brings the total amount wagered since March 9th, the, the launch date, Seems like 50 years ago now, but that brings the total amount wagered here in Illinois through July to $61.5 million, and that number is about to skyrocket once we finally see the August returns. The future is now, baby. (laughs) Big Ten football officially announced this morning that it's returning the weekend of October 24th. This is big news for all of us people out here in the Midwest. But we should also be accepting the news with a bit of trepidation, considering the fact that a lot of the games and conferences that have decided to play have been canceled already. And of course, a lot can happen in the next month and a half. But the stage is set, and it's great to be cautiously, cautiously optimistic about having Big Ten football this fall, because I don't know about any of you, but uh, my life has felt empty without it. In terms of handicapping current college football action, it's a relatively light card this weekend, but uh, it's not offering too much in the way of value according to my numbers right now, but these these lines are moving quite a bit based off news, and I definitely uh, I recommend following Joe Rogers, my colleague at Bet Chicago, who's been on top of these market moves on Twitter. So give him a follow at Rogers BC, as in Rogers with a D, and Bet Chicago BC. If you haven't already, definitely worth the follow. He's been on here in the podcast a few times in the past as well. Uh, but there is one bet that's worthy of a small position at the current market price, according to my numbers, and that's Boston College. You can find them at plus six and a half at FanDuel. Sprinkle a little money line, but if you can wait and find a seven or find a plus seven uh, elsewhere with juice at minus 115 or less, and that's worthy of a full position, I think. But I think at six and a half, obviously a lot less because seven's such a key number, but definitely sprinkle some money line. I saw FanDuel had them at plus 198, which is the best market price that I could find. The NBA has reached the conference finals in both conferences, and boy, oh boy, did we see some history get made last night when the Nuggets took down the heavily favored Clippers, completing 
Another epic comeback down three games to one for the second straight series. Denver's odds, when you look back at some of this stuff, and this is historic shit, Denver's odds were as high as 23-1 to to win the series after Game 1, after they lost Game 1. And then uh, the Nuggets were as high as 32-1 to to win the damn series when they were down three games to one. But the actual odds were even worse. Per Mike Buoy, um, at InPredict, sorry, I butchered your name, man. Um, I saw this on Gil Alexander's VEASAN show, but per Mike Buoy, the Nuggets series win probability was 0.2%. 02 to win the series in Game 5 uh, when they were down 13 points at the end of the third quarter at that point. And then when they were down 19 points at the start of the third quarter in Game 6, down three games to two, the series win probability was 0.4% for them. This is once-in-a-lifetime stuff, people. Uh, Doc Rivers, nice guy. and He's in Chicago. I know he went to Proviso East here, Chicagoland area, but he might be the most overrated coach in NBA history. He's made a habit of blowing 3-1, to 3-2 to two series leads. It's happened to him six times now as a coach. Uh, the biggest winner from last night, though, besides the Nuggets and Nuggets betters, I guess, too, was undoubtedly the Lakers, of course. Just off last night's game, LeBron and the Lakers' odds to win the title basically doubled. They, they jumped from around 30 to 35% roughly, up to 60 65% roughly. Of course, we're seeing different odds in the marketplace right now. Got to lay quite a bit of vig to get them to win. The biggest loser? Well, the, the NBA. There's no more LA versus LA series, and instead we'll have to uh, there won't be anywhere near as many eyeballs on the Western Conference Finals now, and more likely than not, that series that we're about to see is not going to go more than five games anyway. The Lakers opened in the neighborhood of minus 500, minus 550 roughly to win the series with the Nuggets, and I actually think there's value with the Lakers there, to be quite honest. And I laid the six and a half with, with the Lakers for Friday night's game. It looks like it's starting to get juiced out. At six and a half, but I think that's worthy of a play at anything under seven. Normal vig, shop around for the best price, but makes a lot of sense. I mean, the Nuggets, you saw them celebrating. I love to get into these spots where you see teams celebrating um, like that, you know, celebrating a series win when they were big underdogs and everyone was against them. Also, fatigue, you would think would be an issue uh, after going seven games in two straight series and then turning around Friday night to play the Lakers and, and LeBron, who are more well rested. So I laid the points. I think there's a point or two of value there. Um, at at six and a half with the Lakers. And if you listen to the Doggy Juice pod in the summer, I recommended a futures play on the Boston Celtics at anything over 16 to 1 odds before the restart. Bet Rivers here in Illinois, they were at 20 to 1 odds. Um, After the Bucks were ousted by the Heat in the semis, Boston actually became the favorite to make it out of the East, giving us plenty of equity in our futures tickets if you followed along. Um, I wouldn't have blamed you for taking a position on the Heat to win the series to hedge before the series started, but I actually thought the Celtics had value at minus 130 for the series price before Game 1 yesterday. Of course, they blew a few leads in that one, including a late one, and ended up losing. They couldn't get it done on the last second shot before overtime, so now the um, now the uh, the Heat are up one one to nothing in the series. But Game 2, Celtics are favored. We've already seen some money coming on the Celtics for Game 2. It's gone from 2 to 2.5, but I do like the Celtics tomorrow uh, to win that game. It's getting a little pricey. I I did take some of the 2 when it was at 2. I'd definitely play it for less if you're looking to bet at over 2 because this could be another tight game down the stretch. But along those lines, with with the Celtics 20-to-1 ticket, my plan for that is just to sit tight for now, obviously. If they do end up advancing to the finals, then we're looking at a spot where they're 
roughly plus 200, plus 250 against the Lakers, with the Lakers around minus 300 the other way, somewhere in that ballpark, unless something crazy happens, crazy injury happens. Of course, the Celtics will be favored over the Nuggets if that was the series uh, in the finals, but depending on how things go, we're looking at Lakers in the minus 300 range in that series, so at that point, I would probably lock in a, a nice profit if the Celtics do get to the finals against the Lakers, because we all have to accept the fact that the Lakers are most likely going to be winning the finals uh, this year now. I don't have much at all on the NHL, but the Stars upset the Golden Knights to advance to the Stanley Cup final the other day, routinely cashing tickets in that series as a plus 160 dog or whereabouts in that area, or thereabouts, uh, rewarding those who back them at that price. Uh, in the East, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning hold a 3-2 to two series lead as of right now over the pesky New York Islanders who won Game 5 last night. Uh, an interesting storyline for your Stanley Cup, though, potential storyline. In 2018, when the Capitals eliminated the Lightning to face Vegas in the Stanley Cup final, obviously the Capitals ended up winning that, the Stanley Cup that year. But when the, when the Capitals defeated the Lightning and knocked them out, the Lightning let Rick Bonus go, their coach, after that season, and he went on to the Stars after that. He's the Stars coach. So that's definitely something to consider if it ends up being Lightning versus Stars. <laughs> All right, it's time to talk some golf, baby. I know this pod is coming out late Wednesday evening, so you're probably listening to this after the U.S. Open has started, but the stuff I'm about to talk about is absolutely still actionable all weekend, especially since we have extensive live betting in golf markets now and growing by the day. I've long said on the Doggy Juice Pod that golf is one of the sports I'm most looking forward to seeing a big Know, growing and in betting interest and a betting revolution, so to speak, on in upcoming years. The stage is perfectly set for that for a lot of reasons I've already gone into. Um, but along those lines, I encourage you to find value in the live betting markets for golf because there's always plenty to be had and, of course, always shop for the best number. So this weekend we have our second major of the year, the U.S. Open at Winged Foot in New York. Longer par 70 course, uh, 7,477 yards. It's 200 yards longer than the same course when it hosted the 2006 U.S. Open, where the average round score was 74.99, which is almost exactly five over par. Uh, difficult rough we're looking at, very difficult. Obviously, the U.S. Open we're all, is always known for being very difficult. I make it really hard for the players. Uh, very thin Poana fairways, roughly about 20 to 25 yards wide. Arnold Palmer can, deep rough. I don't know if you've seen that that tweet that made the rounds earlier in the week, but someone had a can of Arnold Palmer and put it into the rough and it disappears. That's how long this rough is. And you know those Arnold Palmer cans are uh, pretty long themselves. So, And there's also an interesting thing I heard that makes a lot of sense. There's no patrons, or not as many patrons, obviously, there besides the essential personnel working there, but there's no patrons to stamp down on the grass a bit too, so there's going to be lots of buried balls in the rough this weekend. Uh, per the show, long shots on VEASAN. Some stats to look for this week on golfers that are especially important are strokes gained off the tee, total driving, greens and regulation, scrambling, and of course putting. And if you're a guy who is into watching people struggle, then this is the tournament for you because it looks like over par is going to end up taking this bad boy down. Per Nick Bogdanovich, director of trading at William Hill, there was substantial money on the winning score over, 
William Hill opened it at 279 and a half and it moved up to 280 and a half. The market is basically telling us that two or three over par is going to win this tournament. The last player to win a U.S. Open ranked outside the top 30 was Graham McDowell back in 2010. So that's something to consider as well in your handicapping if you're looking outside the top 30. Hasn't happened in a decade. Uh, according to Bogdanovich, Dustin Johnson has the highest ticket count at William Hill, which makes sense because of uh, his recent form, obviously how good he's been playing lately. But interestingly, second in ticket count is Phil Mickelson. And at William Hill, Phil actually has the most money wagered on him as well, and that's largely because of better. Uh, one better with a lot of money went into a William Hill shop and bet $45,000 to win $3.3 million on Phil Mickelson at 75 to 1 odds. Woo! Um, per to go, I hope this person heard this stat, but per Wes Reynolds of Visa, the long shots show, lefty hit 12 of 56 fairways at the Safeway Open last week. So it's going to be tough for him, like 75 to 1 odds, but uh, man, I would not want to have that ticket if I were that guy. Uh, just a quick reminder to those new to golf betting the real value when you're looking to bet golf is in the matchups, in the tournament matchups, and the round by round matchups. And almost always not in the futures market, but who doesn't love finding value in futures? And there is value to be had. So what I do and at any given week when I'm looking to bet golf is I assemble a group of golfers, sometimes various tier groups, my quote-unquote horses for the week. And I'll have small positions on them not only to win the tournament, but also to finish top 5, top 10, top 20. I'll spread it around a bit, and then I'll look to target those guys in matchups as well. So who am I on this week? Well, it shouldn't surprise you if you've been listening this summer that I'm once again on my boy Xander Schauffele, 15 to 1 odds. That's at DraftKings. He bested the field in the Tour Championship just two weeks ago, which obviously Dustin Johnson won, but the best 72 hole score was Xander. So his form is obviously there. He's been great this summer, uh, pretty much a top 20 machine. Uh, and his recent form in U.S. Opens has been great as well. He's finished third, sixth, and fifth in his most recent three U.S. Opens. And on top of the fine form, he's just built for this course. Like, he's built for a course like this. It fits everything you could think of from a metrics perspective. There isn't much value at his price at 15 to 1, but he's one of the short shots on my card anyway. You can find him also to finish top 20 at minus 125 on DraftKings and FanDuel 2. Last time I looked, which I think is a good bet, I know Jeff Sherman, who I consider to be one of the best um, golf odds makers and handicapers. He's the head golf odds maker at the Westgate Superbook in Las Vegas. Um, you can find you know, follow him at Golf Odds. But he is shading the top 20 on Xander big time because he thinks people are going to come in and pound that too. So if you're bet, don't bet that at the Westgate you'll have to lay a lot more big. And when a guy like that is shading Xander Schauffele like that in the top 20 market, you know there's a reason why. So I think that's worthy of a look. In terms of another short shot right at the top of the board behind DJ, Rom. He really does fit the mold here as well when you look at the prototypical golfer built to handle this course with all the factors I talked about earlier. This is the guy, and he also brings great form, but now he's 10-1. to 1. That's the problem. He was 15-1 to 1 to win this here just a few weeks ago, so the value has obviously dried up, but I think he might be worth watching for a live wager, especially if he starts slow tomorrow or early on. Could be worthy uh, of a look, but maybe look to attack Rom in some matchups, maybe even gobble up if you could find a good price on him to finish top five, top ten, something like that. In terms of medium uh, 
medium shot golfer, so to speak. In my opinion, uh, Simpson and Berger were worth a look at their prices, but those have come down as the week has gone by, so I can't recommend much of a position on either of them, although you should shop around. I, I heard there was a rogue 50-1 to 1 available for Berger in Vegas over the weekend. I have a small piece on him at 33-1 to 1 myself, and Simpson around 28 to 1. I think you still find him in the high 20s, 30 to 1 that range, but his iron play and his level-headed pedigree make him attractive at a course like this, I think. I'm also on Adam Scott at 50 to 1. That's at DraftKings you can find that number. It was more of a numbers play than anything else, but the guy has the pedigree as well and he still has the sweetest looking tee shot in golf. Tommy Fleetwood this is an interesting one, and, and I could see a case be made either way for him, but he's made for this course as well. 35-1 to 1 at DraftKings. I think he's worthy of a look. Um, he did well at Shinnecock in the past, and word on the street is that he's been prepping a lot for this one lately, playing a lot of uh, golf up in, up in that area. Uh, curiously, though, he, th- he flew out last week and played Portugal last week in the Portugal Masters after being in the U.S. beforehand, and now he's flying back, although... Really, when you look at it, a flight from Portugal to, to New York is like the same you know, distance or same length as a flight from New York to the West Coast. But still, there's extra variables when flying, you know, when, when flying internationally like he's going to be doing. And, and there should be maybe some p- potential fatigue there. So Tommy's always good for one really hot round. If it doesn't come Thursday, then you might be able to really look at him at a, a live betting price, especially if you're looking to fade, you know, the fatigue angle and him having to fly back and stuff. But he does fit this course. I think if he doesn't start out hot, you might find a, a lot better of a number on him, obviously, later on if he if there is any fatigue in the first round. But you can find him at 35-1 to 1 at DraftKings. Another golfer, I'm on Tyrell Hatton, 45-1, to 1, FanDuel. You can find him there. And then Tony Finau. I love betting the Finau. But no one has more top 10 finishes without a win. No one has as many strong finishes without a win in their career as Tony Fino. And I think he, he like leads all of golf in like top 10s or something like that. Some crazy stat. The guy's been crazy, but he just can't get through and finally win a big one. It's going to happen sometime. I hope it's the Masters because like I bet him in the Masters every damn year. But um, I want to bet him considering it, but haven't fired on it yet. And then a couple of longer shots just for pizza money. Matthew Wolf, 80 to 1 at DraftKings. Billy Horschel, around 150 to 1. Uh, the market continues to be too low on that guy as well. In terms of golfers who I'm looking to fade this week, Bryson DeChambeau is right at the top of the list. Uh, Bryson and the Rough, they might as well get married. Dude loves the Rough, loves to, to hit the ball far too. Uh, but that doesn't bode well for him this week in the rough. So I'll be looking to specifically wager on him in matchups, uh, specifically with Simpson and Berger at plus prices. But I'm also looking to fade lefty this week in the big public play. I'm looking to do that. You can find him not to make the cut at just a plus price. Uh, and Bubba Watson as well. Lefty I touched on earlier, obviously, with the public play. But the play on Watson to miss the cut I think is a good luck as well. Just, he's more wild off the tee than shot accuracy off the tee. Obviously, he can bomb it, but he's just become like an auto-fade in these U.S. Opens just because he finds himself in the rough so much. Um, other golfers of note who are in bad form entering this week and looking to potentially fade are Leishman and Cantlay. Cantlay the irons for Cantlay especially have been uh, rough for him in recent tournaments. 
But like I said earlier in the podcast, be on the lookout for value in the round-by-round matchups, especially the Canby books here in Illinois, namely Bet Rivers DraftKings. So follow Doggy Juice on Twitter for some round matchup value. I'll try to post those in the morning, at least one or two of the days in the tournament. Um, but yeah, looking forward. It's going to be a lot of fun, and hopefully you and we all make some money, you and me and everybody on our golfers this weekend. All right, now time to close out the pod with the granddaddy of them all, the NFL. Hello! Some quick thoughts first before I dive in. The Lions. Oh my God. Matt Patricia, 55-yard field goal with less than five minutes to play in the game, up by 10 against Mitch Trubisky and the Bears. Apologies, Bears fans. The Lions continue to surrender late leads. They have the yips trying to put games away, apparently, every damn time, it seems. But with a 98% win expectancy, Sunday's game was something special. Per Warren Sharp, the Lions became the fourth team since 2006 to blow a 17-plus point lead entering the fourth quarter. Teams have been 7-79-3 in that span. That's 99.6%. And I don't know who's going to figure it out, but I know Whale Capper's been all over this, Drew Dinsick. But someone make Trubisky throw the damn ball left. Dude can't throw it left on the left side. Just a thing. Mike McCarthy. My God. Talk about a pendulum shift the other way. (laughs) Mike McCarthy decides to go for it on fourth and three, down by three points with 12 minutes left against the Rams. This is the same guy who would kick a goddamn field goal from the one-yard line a couple years ago. So now he's clearly feeling the pressure to do what he perceived to be the quote-unquote analytical move there, when in reality it was definitely a less clear, clear-cut clear at least, risk-reward from the three-yard line. Or sorry, with, with, with three yards to go in that spot. I don't care because I actually had money on the Rams that night here on the Doggy Juice Pod last week. We talked about the Rams. Uh, but that's what you have to deal with with these coaches and not doing those coaches not doing what you'd expect them to do. And you saw the better coaches do, well better this past weekend and there were other coaching mistakes too Fangio in Denver um, holding back the timeouts on Monday night that was negative EV as hell but books actually got sided pretty good on Monday night football if you were following that line in the offseason the the Broncos were were favored throughout the summer but then obviously with injury issues and the week or two heading up to the game Von Miller out for the year you saw the line shift Titans became the favorite Titans picked up steam actually close three even three with uh, with juice and obviously that game landed too so books you know those guys who came in on denver early on and then or sorry the titans early on and then bet denver um, at post right before the game started cited the books and so tough one for them on monday night that's for sure but um my biggest takeaways from week one i mean good coaches did well and it makes sense in the year of covid with limited prep time and no preseason action the coaches who were able to adapt the best were able to put their teams in the best position to win. But that doesn't mean all good coaches won. The Doggy Juice Pod play from last week, the Cardinals beat the 49ers as seven-point dogs, and they get close six and a half. Super Bowl losers are now 4-17 and 17 against the spread in week one, dating back the last 21 years. Something to pay attention to, something to remember for next year. Another quick observation, teams with the biggest changes at offensive line, those teams got destroyed, namely the Dolphins and the New York Jets. In week one, we saw overs go 9-5 and five on Sunday before the two Monday night games went under the total. Specifically, um, 
Overs went 8-2 and two in the first 10 games, the early games, and the 1-3 and three in the afternoon and night games on Sunday. And then obviously, um, unders went 2-0 and oh on Monday night. But I touched on this on the podcast last week, the notion of looking over rather than under this early on. Usually, I'm, I'm trying to look at unders early in the season generally relative to the market. Um, and the reason being, you know, like defenses come in and, and offense is a little slow to start, but... This time around, this year's a little different. Defenses, I talked about this last week, defenses are not up to speed on tackling. There's fatigue issues. Offenses have the advantage with zero to little crowd noise. You know, you can hear what's being called at the by the quarterback at, um, at, at the line of scrimmage. And specifically, looking to bet overs on games where there's continuity on offense, but new faces on the defenses. And we saw that play out in spades last weekend, the Vikings-Packers. Uh, interestingly, money poured in on the under before that game started. I think it closed as low as 44, 40, 44 and a half I saw. And that ended up being the highest scoring game of the day with the Pack winning that one 43 to 34. The Seahawks versus the Falcons and the Raiders versus the Panthers were other good examples. And looking ahead at this week, I think we could see more of the same in some spots. And there are some overs that are worth a look this week, I think. Numbers are starting to move, though, of, cor- of course, uh, Indiana, or Indianapolis and Minnesota over 48. This has moved up a bit since 47, but I think betting Vikings totals over. Um, Vikings totals in general might be mispriced for a bit early on in the year because that defense really is just a fraction of its former self. Um, the Bucks and the Panthers over as well for this Sunday, and the Packers and the Lions. Uh, both, both teams have players banged up on defense in that one. Although the total has risen a bit as the week has gone by, I still see one to two points of overvalue at those numbers and those aforementioned games aligned in the high 40s. I think if you bet all of those blind, you'll come out on top this week. But as always, shop around for the best price. So now we're on to week two, overreaction week, which is historically one of my favorite weeks to bet the NFL um, next week as well when we get those two and over. So with two matchups, literally like the best spots to bet or to look to bet on the own two teams, but against the spread. Uh, in this particular year, though, one can't help but wonder... Should we overreact a little more than recent years just because we've seen so little from these teams early on? And should we expect maybe more of the same? The teams that were not as prepared entering the year are still at a disadvantage. Maybe the coaches that figured it out early on are going to bring that momentum in this week. But as a general principle, this week being overreaction week with betters unable to see anything in the preseason, remembering what they saw last, we really should be looking at those 0-1 teams versus 1-0 teams and Honestly, some of the biggest voices in sports betting right now that are emerging out of the woodworks and these you know, these early days of, of normalized, legalized sports betting, but those biggest voices just don't know how to bet. And that is helping push the narrative on some teams um, that are getting a little too much market love this week. And before I dive into my plays, let's sidestep real quick to get the scoop from the Doggy Juice Pod's very own The Danimal, who went 3-1 and one on his podcast plays last week. Let's hear what he has to say about week two. He is back after a three and one week with his picks last week. Couldn't let him wait a couple more months before he came on the next time. So we're bringing him right back this week. The Danimal. How's it going, bud? How's your week been? It's going well. I mean, I can't complain. I think I hit the couch from about 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. So minimal steps, but um, it felt good to be back. Felt real good. Dude, that is living. I don't know about you. Like Sunday, we just like it was like normal again for just a few hours. You know, like ordering the same crappy food, yelling the same stuff at the TV, 
like I'm, I'm called football ogre by my fiance and uh i think she got to see football ogre come out in in full force this weekend so it's just gonna be back even with all the bullshit happening in the world just having our our beloved nfl back yeah and i don't know if you have i don't know direct tv versus everybody else but i know siciliano versus um hansen are different um providers but you could definitely tell scott hansen was rusty he was um <laughs> he was stumbling on his words a lot in the beginning Dude, it's like he'll be back in, in mid-season form soon, hopefully. But yeah, I don't blame him. It's all he had so much other stuff on his mind, and he, everyone's a little rusty that first week back, you know. Um, but not not the offenses in the NFL. So, um, how about that for a segue? <laughs> let's uh, let's hear what you got for picks this week. You can grace us with your uh, Danimal locks again. So, uh, yeah, fire fire away. What do you got for us? Yeah, somehow I ended up with four again. Come Sunday at midnight, I'll probably have fifteen. Um, <laughs> that were placed but for for now we'll start it off with a little homer pick but i think i'm pretty reasonable but the g-man plus five and a half six um i was pleasantly surprised with the giants i um think the steelers are pretty legit solid defense big ben picked it up a little bit in the second half and the giants just they couldn't hold up on defense can't block anybody for saquon but i was pleasantly surprised with um danny dimes scared the bears are going to do similar things, but I don't know the bears. I don't think it's a resurgence in the second half. I think the lions completely lie into that one with maybe one or two good bears plays, but give me giants plus five and a half, six 49ers minus seven over the jets. I was not impressed with the 49ers. I was actually impressed with the Cardinals as I had them, but I think the jets stink. Um, I'm going to bet against the jets as much as I can. So Niners figure it out a little bit and win by more than a touchdown. Third, Steelers. Again, I was pleasantly surprised with the Steelers. Didn't watch much of the Broncos, but I just, short week, road trip, first of the road trip of the year. I think Steelers win this one, again, by more than a touchdown. Last one, Seattle. Very impressed with Seattle. Minus four. Hate those lines always, but best was minus three and a half. And I actually think the Pats are going to be really good this year, but in a weird dominant type of slow it down, run the clock. And I think Seattle's up for that. So I think Cam was fine. He didn't really throw the ball much. So people are high on him after beating the Dolphins at home. So I think Seattle and Russ, if they keep opening it up, they're a Super Bowl favorite and he's the MVP. So G-Men plus five and a half, San Fran minus seven, Pitt seven and a half i think it is in seattle four those are my four nfl picks there they are we're gonna have to come up with a name for this like the danimal blazing four or something like that we'll we'll think of something but uh yeah man or, no, the, the mount rushmore of the week maybe that Can you explore it in some way i don't know we'll have to think of something for next week exactly uh, good stuff dude um no those, those all sound great so good luck with your bets and uh you got anything on tap this weekend to enjoy the games you're just gonna be parked in front of the couch again yeah, that and um, it's gonna be tough on Sunday trying to watch the U.S. Open, the Giants, Dude. and Red Zone. That's on a three TV or iPad phone situation. Um, but yeah, U.S. Open is gonna be tough. It sounds like everybody's on DJ and Rom, which is interesting. Obviously, can't hate on it, but I think it's a lot more open than that. So I'd take a couple more long shots if I were you, with like Fitzpatrick or Wolf, Casey, Finau, something along that realm. And I think Tiger misses the cut. So. Go with those if you're if you're betting on the open. All right. We just got a double dose, people, for the price of one. Danimal, four NFL picks, some golf leans. Sounds great, man. Thanks again for coming on the pod, and we'll uh, bring you back on again next week.
All right. I appreciate it. Talk to you soon. All right, dude. Peace. Thank you very much, Danimal. I need to get Danimal his own audio drop here to introduce himself. Let me know if you listeners out there have any good ideas for that. All right. To close out the pod today, here are a look at my NFL week two plays. Tomorrow night, the Cleveland Browns. I know. A small position at minus five and a half or better. A full position at minus four is the way I have it graded. We won't see that. Probably won't see that minus four anywhere. But definitely looking to take a piece of the Browns tomorrow night. It's a rookie coming to play on short rest, short prep against a team that's probably a little pissed off. They just got their asses kicked by the Ravens. So I'm I'm looking to play the Browns. Literally, you know, anything at, at minus six or better for a small position, full position at four or better. The Eagles, um, looking like they're going to get healthy again, but we have to remember Jared Goff, his home road splits. We're all over it last year on the podcast. I wrote about it a lot for Bet Chicago and Bet Indiana. Uh, just how Jared Goff, when you look at it's just night and day, him at home versus on the road. Obviously, being on the road is looking a little different right now in the age of COVID, but flying to the East Coast to play in Philadelphia, who's coming off a, a pretty bad loss, obviously the Redskins in week one. I think it's the line's just gone too far on that one. And looking at the Eagles, you know, money line or a plus one is worthy of a bet or at least a small position right now. And also on the teaser leg, which I'll get to later, but teasing them up through the key numbers of three and seven up to plus seven and a half is something that I've already done. But a smaller position at plus one and a half, a full position if that line does hit plus three, which we just won't see. The Cowboys, they're close. I haven't bet them yet. Actually, I take that back. I did fire. I did find some four. Uh, but a full position at, at laying three points to the Falcons, smaller position laying four points, which can be found right now. The Lions, plus six and a half, plus six even, plus six or better is fine. If it gets to seven, then it's good for a full position, which we might see. I have this game lined just over three, although you have to pay attention to injuries right now. Both teams are dealing with it, but this is a classic 0-1 team versus 1-0 team. And when you're looking back to last year, the market was essentially saying, or even before the season started here, the market, just a week ago, the market was essentially saying that these teams, there was not much of a difference between these two teams when you looked at their season win totals. And now you're looking at the, the line, and it's six, six and a half. Packers obviously coming off the win. Lions blowing that late lead to the Bears. The Lions held, the Lions held on to, and did blow that lead and won by double digits against the Bears. We would not be seeing this price. We'd probably be seeing a line that was similar to last year, which was four. You know, we saw four, four and a half last year when these two teams played at Lambeau with fans, and now the Lions are a better team than they were last year, at least according to the markets, or so we think. So obviously that that just stands to reason, just doing that quick exercise, that there would be value this week on the Lions because the Packers haven't changed much. I think it's a bit of an overreaction to last week, so we're seeing about two points of line value in that game and a nice position on the Lions if they can hit seven at any point. And then um, the Cardinals, lane six and a half. Anything under seven I think is worthy of not a full position, but a smaller position, just anything. I think the line should be just north of a touchdown here. Redskins were a great story last week, but now they got to travel out to Arizona. Arizona less traveled, coming off a big win, but I think more time with that offense. I think they're going to have their way um, with the Redskins. It's going to be tough for the Redskins to put up any points in that game, so looking at the Cardinals laying six and a half. And then in terms of teasers, week two teaser legs, we have a few that fit the mold, just to remind everyone, 
only do teasers when you're crossing through the key numbers of 7 and 3 and when you're not laying more than preferably you're laying minus 110 juice. I have an out that allows me to do so, but definitely don't lay more than minus 120 on a six-team, or sorry, a two-team six-point teaser, but only do it when you tease through those key numbers. And we have a few teams that fit the model this week. The aforementioned Eagles, you can tease them up to plus 7.5, although that's tough to find right now because there has been some money coming on in on the Eagles with news that... Um, that Miles Sanders is going to be returning and a couple other uh, players that have been out. But Eagles worth a look. I have them in pocket plus 7.5 on teaser leg. The Steelers minus 1.5. Um, Danimal touched on that game a bit. That line has gone up. It was sitting at 6 on Monday before Monday Night Football. But I still think the Steelers are the right side in that one. I'm not betting the Steelers at 7.5, but I'm definitely, I tease them down. Uh, the Titans, some spots you could tease them from 8.5 down to 2.5. I think that's a great look against the Jaguars. A bad team off a big upset, which they did last week. They tend to get lit up in their next game after after a big upset. So um, I think just asking the Titans to essentially win that game outright by teasing them down to two and a half, win by a field goal or more, is a, a nice move. And similarly, Kansas City Chiefs, they fit the mold as well. Uh, believe it or not, I actually like the Chiefs the least of the bunch here uh, from a teaser perspective, but I have teased or keyed in all four of those teams that I mentioned on teasers this week. In terms of my teaser of the week, um, let's go with the Steelers, minus one and a half, and the Titans, minus two and a half. Both have to come through in order to win, but you're essentially asking both those teams just to win outright at home in week two, and I think that's a good look this week. And also take a look at take a look at those overs I mentioned earlier, those games in the high 40s. Shop around for the best number because that definitely matters, but I think those are a good look this week as well. And remember, most importantly, that this is the NFL. It's almost impossible to beat the NFL in the long run because the lines are so incredibly liquid, so efficient. Betting early in the week is the only way you can really find edges to win in the long in the long term and make it profitable betting the NFL, and few do that. So keep that in mind. Um, rarely do I see betting value in more than three to four NFL sides in any given week. It's rare to see a line off by more than two to two and a half points, according to my numbers. Just the way of the game in the NFL. Any asshole can go get lucky for a couple weeks in a row. But if you're looking to do this for many months and many years to come, you will be best served by shopping for the best price and being selective in the games that you choose to play. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Podcast. As always, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice and be sure to check out Bet Chicago and Bet Indiana News for your latest sports betting news and information. Remember, guys, the odds makers have to put up a price for every game, but we as bettors get to choose when and where we strike. So enjoy all the incredible action this weekend and good luck with your bets. Doggy Juice out. <laughs>